Hey, you're listening to Clumsy Theosis, a Catholic podcast that explores topics within the Catholic faith to help us deepen our spiritual lives, own our relationship with the Lord, and strengthen His church. Hey, what's up? My name is Rochelle Lucero, and you are listening to the Clumsy Theosis podcast. Welcome. We are in the middle of our virtue series. Today, we're covering the virtue of courage, which is also known as fortitude. We are also going to cover the gift of the Holy Spirit that we've been given in order to help us to grow and develop and cultivate the virtue of courage, which, wouldn't you know it, is also called courage or fortitude. So (laughs) this could be really easy for you to remember. You know, you're like, yeah, in order to grow the virtue of courage, I need the Holy Spirit's gift of courage. But it might potentially make it difficult if you don't understand the difference between the two. But don't worry, we will go over the difference between the virtue and the gift of the Holy Spirit. So in scripture, when Jesus says, this is in John chapter 16, verse 33, and Jesus said, I have said this to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you face persecution, but take courage. I have conquered the world. When Jesus says, take courage, I can't help but think about this really short but very, very powerful line from one of the books in the Narnia series. It's The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, and you might already know what I'm talking about. But there is a terrifying situation in which Aslan, the lion, comforts and strengthens little Lucy Pevensey with three little words. He tells her, courage, dear heart. And I find that so empowering. What is it about this phrase, courage, dear heart, as well as when Jesus says, but take courage, what is that supposed to mean to us? And what is that supposed to provoke within us? Okay, well... Let's look at courage. A lot of times we think it's charging off headlong into the thick of a battle. Mm, But that's not really it, right? True courage, true fortitude is the ability to endure something difficult or something painful for the sake of what is good. So courage is going to empower, it's going to strengthen, it's going to enable you to protect, to battle, to face some sort of an obstacle or a pain or an opposition from someone or something or an injury or even discomfort, like mild discomfort or annoyance. True courage is going to help you maintain your desire to overcome anything that you face for the sake of the good, right? It's going to keep you focused on that good and it's going to keep that desire within you alive to overcome what you're going through. Courage is also really important when it comes to resisting temptation. And if we're going to grow in the virtue of courage, that means we're going to have to practice it. But not just courage itself. We are also going to need to cultivate the daughter virtues of courage or the daughter virtues of fortitude. Now, remember, the daughter virtues are considered to be related virtues, right? That are kind of nestled in kind of neatly underneath like a main virtue. So the main virtue here would be courage. And then there's five daughter virtues of courage. The first is magnanimity, which is a really cool word to say for one, but the meaning is really cool too. Literally, it means to have a large soul. So because your your soul is so enlarged, you just have this inner confidence to do great things in God. Not do great things for God, that's going to be magnificent, but magnanimity is to do great things in God with your large soul. 
The second is magnificence, which is to do great things for God. The third daughter virtue is patience, which you don't really think of as being related to courage, but give it a second thought because remember, patience is bearing your present moment, right? Anything that's difficult or annoying or painful, you're bearing it calmly when you're being patient. The fourth daughter virtue is perseverance, kind of like patience, right? You're taking any steps necessary in order to carry out whatever task or objective that you are, you know, in trying to, to complete. And you're doing all of this in spite of any difficulties that you might face. And the fifth virtue that is related to the virtue of courage that we are going to want to try to cultivate as well is being industrious, right? So you want to learn how to be diligent, especially when you're working on something that is helping you to mature, right? So in this life, when we take care of the things that we're supposed to, like that we're responsible for, if it's school or if it's work or taking care of our family or just our house or our possessions, things that are helping us mature, but not just natural maturity. This also goes for supernatural maturity. So your spiritual life, which means are you being industrious when it comes to setting aside time for prayer and things like that, okay? While we're cultivating all of these daughter virtues as well as the main virtue of courage, we are also going to want to avoid things that are going to trip us up or make us stumble, all right? So that's going to be things like cowardice. That's considered a sin against the virtue of courage or being fearless or reckless. A lot of people think that being fearless is courageous, right? Like, oh, this person has no fear. Oh, they have so much courage. No, they're basically being reckless, which is a sin against courage. And the last thing that we want to avoid is sloth, otherwise known as acedia. Acedia is the capital sin. It's in complete opposition to the virtue of courage. If you want to know more about acedia, I have an episode or maybe even two episodes, I think, on the sin of acedia and how to battle it back. And I'm going to put that down in the show notes for you. But basically, you just don't care about anything. You know, you're just so self-centered that you don't care about anything else. And that includes things in this life as well as things in your spiritual life. And it can be a very, very big problem. All right, so now that we know what to avoid and what to try to cultivate, this is kind of a cool little tidbit I want to throw in here uh, about courage. The highest example of courage is the Christian martyrs. Now, they're kind of like a hybrid here because they are simultaneously exercising the virtue of courage or fortitude as well as the virtue of charity, the virtue of love, right? I just think that's so cool. I thought you should know. But Courage or fortitude isn't only needed in those like huge martyr, you know, those huge martyrdom type moments. In fact, the majority of the time when we exercise or when we need to exercise, when we're called on to exercise and to grow in the virtue of courage, it's in those times of perseverance in the face of fear or staying strong in times of discomfort or pain or sorrow. It's for those everyday moments when you need to be patient, when you need to persevere, when you need to battle back the fears that creep into our into our hearts or into our thoughts. So I want to go back really quickly to um, Narnia and to the Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Um, in chapter 12 of that book, this is written by C.S. Lewis, if you weren't aware. Most people know this. If you don't, don't worry about it. Just go to your library and check it out and read it. You can do that online now. So this is chapter 12. It's called The Dark 
Island. So it's about courage. So think about that. We're going to dive into something courage related in a chapter that is titled The Dark Island. All right. So just to catch you up to speed, Edmund and his sister Lucy and their cousin Eustace are with Prince Caspian in Narnia. They're aboard a ship, the Dawn Treader, and they're on like a quest or a mission, you know, something that's noble, right? That's all we need to know so far. All right. So it's morning, it's bright, the sun is shining, and they're out sailing. And then suddenly, in front of them, they notice that there's this darkness. And this isn't like some fog or some mist out on the water. No, this is just pure darkness, you know, like that kind where you can barely even see in front of your face. And after deliberating, you know, all of the crew and everything, whether or not they need to go through it or not, because people are afraid, you know, they decide for the sake of their noble mission, okay, so for the sake of something good, they continue on their course and they continue straight ahead. That means they're going to have to go through this darkness. And while they are in the midst of this darkness, they learn that they are at what's called the Island of Dreams, which is a place where all of your dreams come true, but not like your pretty daydreams, but your scary nightmares, all right? And then all of a sudden, all of the crew, they start to hear and they start to see things from their own personal nightmares. Now, little Lucy Pevensey, the only woman on board, I might like to add, she's the one who keeps her head and she says a prayer to Aslan or she calls upon Aslan, who isn't actually present physically there. And she asks him to send her help. Now, if you're not aware, Aslan is the Christ figure in the Narnia stories. Some people will argue that he is actually Christ, but I'm just going to leave that over there and I'm not going to touch it because that is not my area of expertise, all right? Just for today's topic, this is all that, you know, you get the gist, okay? We don't need to settle that now. Anyways, after Lucy calls on Aslan or basically says a prayer to Aslan asking him for help, a big white bird shows up in the sky. Isn't that kind of interesting? She calls on the Christ figure, a big white bird shows up in the sky. Just saying. Obviously, none of this is coincidence, okay? C.S. Lewis knows exactly what he's doing right here when he writes this. And this is what he says after the big white bird shows up in the sky. He says that no one except Lucy knew that as it circled the mast, it had whispered to her, courage, dear heart. And the voice she felt sure was Aslan's. And with the voice, a delicious smell breathed in her face. And in a few moments, the darkness turned into a grayness ahead. And then, almost before they dared to begin hoping... They had shot out into the sunlight and were in the warm blue world again. And all at once, everyone realized that there was nothing to be afraid of and there never had been. Now, this might seem anticlimactic, and I emphasize the word seem because, you know, we have like this big, terrifying darkness and then, oh, everything's better again. You know, we had a bird and we had some words and everything's blue and pretty again, right? Okay. There's actually a lot going on here, a lot more than might meet the eye. And I think C.S. Lewis deserves like a chef's kiss for his description of courage, both the virtue of courage as well as the gift of the Holy Spirit of courage, right? I'm going to show you. So if we compare the verse from John that we started today's episode off with to this vignette from The Voyage of the Darn Treader, they both show us that the root of courage is peace in Jesus, right? So when Jesus is speaking in John's gospel, he says, you're going to face persecution in this world, but I have conquered this world. So stick with me and you'll have my peace, right? Because I'm the conqueror and you're going to have the peace of the conqueror. Lucy, 
Remember, she said that she felt sure that the voice that she heard from the bird, she felt sure that it came from Aslan. And when she encountered the voice, she also experienced a delicious smell wash over her face, right? And I think most every single person in the world has encountered some sort of a smell that took you back to a memory or just kind of shifted the mood and just made you feel, you know, just that light peacefulness, right? It took you to a place either remembered or just somewhere in the moment where you just felt peace and calm, okay? That is a beautiful description. It's like the perfectly painted picture of the peace that Jesus is talking about in John's gospel when he says, take my peace. Also, we need to talk about this big white bird and what happens after he shows up and what happens after he gives Lucy this message. All right, think about this. Lucy called on Aslan for help, right? He's the Christ figure, remember, in this story. He sends an albatross, which is the actual type of bird that he sends. And the albatross's presence, this big white bird, his presence changes the atmosphere. Interesting, right? This is what happens when you pray to Jesus for help. He sends you his Holy Spirit, often depicted as what? A big bird. Most times a white bird, not always, but usually a big bird. Not from Sesame Street, okay? Take, let's step back from that. All right, I'm sorry, I just had a mental image. Let's step back from that. Let's let's stick with Big White Bird, okay? <laughs> Anyways, and when the Holy Spirit shows up, what happens? The atmosphere changes within your heart, within your mind. The Holy Spirit changes you, but not just you. The atmosphere in the room you're in, in the situation you're in, it's changed. That's exactly what happened in Narnia. When they're aboard the Dawn Treader, their fears go away, but at the same time, the darkness literally ceases to exist. This is true for me, and it's true for you, right? Whenever we need to exercise the virtue of courage and we call on the Lord, the Lord is going to send his Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to enliven the gift of courage that we were already given at baptism, but he's just going to make it, I was going to say flame on, but then I started thinking of the, what is it, the Fantastic Four, and I was like, oh my gosh. Today is a day of just like really weird mental images in my mind. Um, but what was I saying? Yeah, so the, the gift of the Holy Spirit is just going to be, he's going to fan that flame, right, of the gift of courage in your life. And it's going to help you to overcome temptations, not just for the sake of overcoming temptations, but for the sake of your eternal life. And what I really love about the gift of courage is that it's going to help you to live out your daily tasks, your daily routines and responsibilities with heroism, right? You're going to live with heroic love because of the gift of courage, right? So your daily choices to follow Jesus, to be like Christ, to be other-centered, that's heroic, right? And that's only possible because of the gift of courage. There are a few other things that you'll notice in your life when the gift of courage is really active, when you allow it to be active. And one of those is an increased confidence in God, especially when things are getting tough. And the gift of courage from the Holy Spirit is also going to keep you from becoming a lukewarm Catholic. And it's also going to help you to be full of joy, which we know joy and happiness are not the same thing, right? Joy comes from God. It's an inner joy that we can't get from outside of ourselves. It has to be given to us from him. And it's especially strong when we're suffering through something, when we're enduring, when we are being steadfast and things are a little tough and we're trying and we're growing, right? But we still have that joy in Christ. Now, 
earlier after I read that little uh, vignette from C.S. Lewis's The Voyage of the Darn Treader, remember I said it might seem like it was anticlimactic, you know, the way everything just kind of like, oh, everything's great and pretty and blue again. All right. Well, when he wrote that, when he said that they shot out into the sunlight and were in the warm blue world again and all at once, everyone realized that there was nothing to be afraid of and there never had been. What he's depicting there, and this is why I say it might seem anticlimactic, but it totally is not. What he is depicting is the gift of courage as well as the effects of the gift of courage, right? Because it wasn't a cheesy fairy tale type ending, you know, they all lived happily ever after and everything was okay. No, what he's depicted here in that little vignette, you know, was a mystical reality for those who had the eyes to see. All right, because that's what happens when the Holy Spirit shows up and he brings his gift of courage, right? Everything actually does change and it's a mystical reality. All right, so that was today's episode. I hope you liked it. If you did, please share it with your friend. Sign up for my newsletter. You can find a link for that down in the show notes as well as a link to donate, which is really important because we are 100% listener supported. There's other links down there for all of the ways you can find me online, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Clumsy Theosis, as well as the Clumsy Theosis YouTube channel. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel and share the videos online. All right, if there's anything I missed or left out, I'm sorry, you can contact me um, at clumsytheosis at gmail.com. Until next week, take courage, dear heart. Peace out. Thank you for tuning in to Clumsy Theosis. I'm so happy that you've been able to hang out. If you want to learn more about Clumsy Theosis, you are more than welcome to visit my website, clumsytheosis.net. From clumsytheosis.net, you will also be able to contact me if you're interested in booking me as a speaker or if you're just feeling generous and you'd like to make a donation. Remember that together we can transform the world by letting the Lord transform us.